Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo, and hello everybody, Mike here, baseball collector. And today, I've got another episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast. But this is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be kind of a a relatively short podcast episode. And what I've done here is taken a video that I shot for YouTube and just turned it into a podcast because it was such a popular video on YouTube that I thought maybe my podcast listeners out there would like to hear it. And it's an incredibly timely topic, and it's affecting everything in the hobby, and that's just why the card market is booming so much. And we've got, you know, uh, modern cards, vintage cards, slabs, you name it. Everything's going nuts, uh, unopened wax, everything. And I think there's a lot of contributing factors to that, and it's it's starting to really infect slash affect the vintage card market as well. So going through that and talking about it is really, really important. And it's hopefully going to enlighten you guys on my take, what I think the major factors are. Now, I go through three of them in the podcast that you'll hear in a minute, but there are dozens and dozens of others that are kind of smaller contributing factors. I definitely don't consider this an exhaustive list of everything that's contributing to the hobby growth and frenzy that we're seeing right now. But hopefully through this, you'll be able to, you know, check it out. I would love to hear comments from you guys. And I know on a podcast, it's, there's not really a whole lot of places to con, you know, to comment and things like that. So I would love to maybe hear from people on Instagram. And my Instagram is baseball collector, Mike at baseball collector, Mike, feel free to send me a comment. Let me know what you think. I'd love to hear from you guys, you know, all you guys that are out there on podcast land, listening to this. So again, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy it. We'll catch you soon. Yo, and hello everybody. Mike here, baseball collector. And man, it's Friday. Another weekend is here. I wanted to come on and do a video here just by myself. I want to just talk through something with you guys because I think I figured something out. I think I have kind of unlocked the question that's been burning in the minds of collectors for the past 12, 18 months. And that's why is the card market booming the way that it is? Why? We all keep asking why. I hear it asked all the time on videos and in private conversations that I have with people. Why, why, why? Can anybody answer that? And the funny thing is, is it's, I don't think it's just one answer. I think what is happening right now in the card market is a confluence of all these different things 
a perfect storm, if you will, of circumstances that has led us to where we are today, which is a card market like none of us have ever seen, no matter how long you've been doing this, you've never seen it like this. And I want to explain kind of what those factors are and how they all work together to create this perfect storm that we're seeing. And I mean, do I think I have all the answers? No, but I think I have a pretty good handle on that. I mean, I've had this epiphany and it's like, okay, it's all making sense now. The pieces are coming into place as to an, a reasonable explanation as to what's happening. And some of it, you guys, we've already talked about, people have already been talking about. It's not a, some of this isn't going to be a secret, but I think when you see how all the pieces fit together, you might have that eureka moment as well. And so, again, I was thinking about this the other day and really because, so I'm an economics kind of guy, I'm an economics major in college, I'm a financial planner, I, I have that kind of brain. I think about money all the time. That's what I deal with money every day and planning and, you know, building wealth for people, that kind of thing. So, and how do you do that? And... Through that, I, I was thinking about my, my work, and and then those thoughts started spilling over into the card market, and that's when I had this epiphany. I'm like, I get, I get it now. It's, it makes sense. And the first thing I want to talk about is a thing called the wealth effect. And this is happening in the real world, like non-sports card world. And so this this was this translated so simply to me when I started really thinking about it to the card world. And let me explain what the wealth effect is. I'm actually just going to read the definition of it so that I just make it clear and then I'll talk about it a little bit. The wealth effect is a behavioral economic theory, kind of behavioral finance stuff, suggesting that people spend more as the value of their assets rise. The idea is that consumers feel more financially secure and confident about their wealth when their homes or investment portfolios increase in value. They're made to feel richer even if their income and fixed costs are the same as before. So let me kind of break that down. If you're looking at your 401ks at work and your or your your real estate, you know, your house that you own is rising in value, you haven't done anything, it's just going up. And you, you kind of look at your balance sheet and your net worth and you're like, man, I'm worth more than I was last time, a year ago, six months ago, whenever you looked at it last, you feel, I mean, and technically you are wealthier, I guess, but a lot of that stuff is tied up. It's not like you can really get it. You get the, the increased appreciation of your house isn't realized until you sell your house. If you keep living there, big hairy deal. If your house value has gone up, who cares? You can't really do anything with that money. You can't use it. Your 401k, if it's gone up a lot in value because the market's been uh, the stock market's been cooperative, etc. You can't really do anything with that. You're not spending it, you know, for me, I'm not spending my 401k stuff for 15, 20 years. So who cares? I mean, I'm glad it's gone up and I definitely feel wealthier. And that feeling pours over unbeknownst to us, you know, kind of unconsciously, subconsciously, we feel better about our circumstances and we tend to spend more. Even though my budget hasn't changed, my paycheck hasn't changed, and I'm saying me, just like general people, but you just feel better. You feel wealthier and therefore you spend more. And I think that's just happening in our world. Despite COVID, despite all of it, 
believe it or not, most people are still working. I know there are those that are out there that are not, but most of America still has a job. And so they're still earning money. They're probably spending less on other things. They're not taking vacations. They're not doing this. And so they have this extra disposable income that they might not have in normal circumstances. And they're finding places to spend it. And if you're at all card oriented or sports oriented, some of it's going there. So there's that is a huge factor. I think it's all psychological when we that the opposite can be true. If we, if things aren't looking good, you know, the stock market is not doing well, people kind of tighten up and spend less and they don't buy the cars and the boats and all the things that they do. So that is a huge, huge factor. And that's just one of the factors. There's three total that I'm going to talk about. And the next concept, I don't want to underestimate this because it is what I call the found money concept. And this plays a huge part into it too. Found money. Let me, let me give you an analogy for that. If I go out and I work for an hour, you know, digging ditches or something and I earn $20, I worked really hard for that $20 and likely because it's part of my job income, I will use that for my budget, for my standard expenses, my fixed stuff, my, you know, household expenses, food, etc., clothing. If I'm walking down the sidewalk and I see a $20 bill on the ground and I pick it up, I'm thinking, man, today's my lucky day. I'm taking the wife out for dinner. I'm going to, you know, not on $20, but you get my point. You, you are way more likely to piss that money away than the money that you worked hard to earn that's part of your daily budget. Now, within your budget, you can have a card budget, but if you find money, that becomes part of the card budget, let's say, just extra. It's like, wow, I found this money and here we are. And there are two sources of found money right now that's happening that are contributing to, again, you got the wealth effect, you've got this found money idea. The first one is stimulus checks. Again, I said earlier, most Americans are working. And so those, there certainly there are people that are getting the stimulus checks that genuinely need it to pay their rent or <laughs> pay bills. I mean, no doubt that that's happening. But by and large, most Americans that are receiving stimulus checks, that's found money. Thank you, Uncle Sam. You helped me buy a card because I didn't have the money before. And again, we're just, it's just so much easier to spend found money because it's not part of your, it's not part of your everyday thinking. It's just extra. Wow, I just got this extra money. Let me do something fun with it. We are Amer we think this way. We are Americans. We just we are a consumer nation. We're very materialistic as as a country. And so that we think, well, how can I spend that money? What kind of fun can I have with that money? And we've gotten a, you know, more and more stimulus money is coming, and all of this is going, going to contribute to that found money phenomenon. But there's another found money phenomenon that's happening. And that is not everybody's a collector. Not everybody only keeps cards. People are now seeing the prices that are happening are starting to sell some things. You know, do I really need all of this stuff? Do I really need this or that? And what they're doing is they're taking the card that they spent $10 on however long ago, and now it's worth 200 and they're selling it privately, on eBay, wherever, and they're finding money. That's just, hey, I didn't have to do anything for it other than list it. 
That wasn't that hard, took five minutes. And now I've got my $10 turning into $200. So I have this profit, this found money from an asset that I already, a card I already had. I just didn't really, I didn't need it as bad as I would rather need the $200 or whatever you're talking about. And that's happening over and 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 over again. Pile them all up. All of these situations, bing, 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 people selling, 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 profit, profit, profit. And when you find money again, I told you, we will go out and spend that found money by and large on things that maybe we wouldn't normally buy, you know? And so there's this, and you, you're willing to spend more. You're, you're willing to pay more because you're like, I found it anyway. So who cares if it costs all of it? Like you're not as frugal. I think people in general are not as frugal with found money as they are with earned money. And so that's perpetuating the situation. More and more people are doing that. More and more cards are getting sold and bought and, and the price is ding, ding, ding. <clears throat> All of this piles on to itself. Huge factor, the found money factor. The third one is what I'm going to call big money investors. Now they can be celebrities. Think Gary Vee. Think, you know, these NBA players that are buying cards and selling cards. I mean, there's a celebrity factor there. It's becoming a lot more mainstream. I mean, it's cool to collect cards again, right? I mean, it's on mainstream media. It's uh, all over the internet. I mean, I have random people texting me wanting me to appraise their card collections, which I'm sure are, you know, a bunch of junk wax stuff, but they don't know. They just hear about the, they said, I hear about the craze, what's going on? So mainstream, you know, mainstream America is hearing about this and it's becoming a bigger, bigger deal. And people are hearing about the money that can be made and hearing about the money that can be made. And believe me, Wall Street's listening. They are absolutely listening. And they are creating these things, collectible and, and rally and all these different places where you can go fractionally invest in these huge, big dollar, high-end high items. You can, uh, investors are making pools of money to go out and buy sports cards with them. And they're buying up, you know, Mike Trout rookies and Kobe Bryant's and LeBron's and you name it. It's happening. Millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars is being poured into the hobby market as an alternative asset class. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I it's whether I agree with it or not doesn't change the fact that it's happening. And it's happening on a very, very large scale. I'm going to share with you an email that one of my friends got. I'm not going to name names here to protect the innocent. This person wrote an email to one of my friends and said, I've been a collector for a few years now, but this past year started selling a lot more and realized the business potential of the hobby and recently started managing a sports card portfolio for a few investors. Very interesting. Not the most interesting thing. Let me read the next sentence. An added wrinkle to my situation, though I'm a U.S. citizen, I now work and live in China and my investors are Chinese. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating and totally makes sense. Not only do you have American money, which there's a lot of it, investing in sports cards. If you bring in the China component, they dwarf us in terms of kind of that 
capital that they want to put to work in kind of these weird esoteric things. So it's this absolutely perfect storm of all of these different circumstances playing together at the same time in a synchronous manner and you get a Michael Jordan rookie card going from $250,000 in one week to $750,000 the next. And guess what? The next question we have to be asking is when does that end? What stops that from continuing to spiral upward, going and going and going? And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. There'd have to be some larger economic recession, some larger economic downturn globally. And, you know, there'd have to be another perfect storm of crap happening to end it. Now, can it continue on an absolutely meteoric pace of going up, up, up? I, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I wish I could tell you I had an answer for that. I don't know. How far can it go? A while. There's no slowing down right now. There's no, this isn't stopping. Even more and more money's coming in. And that means the demand's going to be these, if you get money and you got to go buy cards with it, you're going to go buy cards. You're going to pay whatever the prices are in anticipation of them continuing to go up. Somebody is going to be the last rat on the ship. I don't know where that is. I don't know who that is. I'm just telling you, this is why this is all happening, in my opinion. I'd love to hear what everybody thinks down below. Am I completely, you know, out of my gourd? Am I just bonkers nuts? Maybe. But 40 years in this hobby, I'm telling you, you know, it was funny when we were kids, we would say, oh, don't throw away your cards like our parents did because, you know, you can go to college on your cards or retire someday on your cards. Well, guess what? That's actually possible now. If you play it right and you happen to have had the right collection growing up, you might could retire on your sports card collection. I'll leave you with that thought. We'll talk to you guys soon. Keep collecting.